Hello, happy 2017 everyone. I uh, hope you all had a great festive break. I'm sure it seems like a distant memory now. Um, I'm back and feeling refreshed and ready to go on with the weekly dose of the podcast for 2017. Um, starting out, we've got number nine with Lyle Bruce. Lyle is a designer and illustrator who is based out of Fleet Collective. Um, he's been working in the design industry in Dundee for about 20 years um, and that's something that we go into and discuss on the podcast um, but to give you a little bit of insight of what Fleet Collective is um, it's where I run my business from it's a co-working space based in the, the centre of Dundee sort of behind McManus Galleries in the old City Chambers building I suppose the easiest way to describe it is if you know where the, the Brewdog pub is we're on the top floor of that building uh, we've got about 30 desks um, 20 odd people in there working full-time at the moment and we do monthly rentals, hot desking and daily rentals where you can come in and, and use the space um, and it's a great community to be part of so if you are looking for somewhere to, to run a business from or even just to to use a desk from then check out fleetcollective.com. But to give you a bit more insight into to who Lyle is, uh, he was fundamental in starting up Fleet Collective, he also played a massive role in the creation and development of Creative Dundee, as well as bringing in Pecha Kucha, uh, which has been a massive success. So Lyle's done, well, too much work to, to probably mention um, in the graphics and illustration and development realm, but he's also had these really successful, um, more social-based projects, which are all based around creating a community. Um, so I think that's something that comes out in his work and something that comes out in the discussion as well, which is about how we develop the city and how we move it forward, um, which is really interesting. I think it's something he's focused on for the foreseeable future, I think. So really talented designer, um, has a massive amount of experience, especially in the, the realms of the Dundee design and, and creative sector, has been really influential in, in building that over the years. We had a brilliant chat that, that covers all that, as well as some of his amazing ideas and how we shape the city going forward and, and what we should really be aiming to achieve with that. So I think I've rambled on for, for long enough. So here is podcast number nine of Creative Chit Chat, and it's with Lyle Bruce. So I, I got into design kind of by by accident, I guess. When I was at when I was at school, I didn't really I didn't really know what I was wanting to be. I didn't understand what sort of roles in the world I would fit into with what I enjoyed doing, which was mostly drawing and playing video games and uh, exploring technology. And I think you know my school kind of were trying to steer me down a a job in a, a more manual labour environment or a sort of offshore work because that was kind of the area I was based in and that was kind of the job opportunities that were around and it wasn't until I really got put on a, a, a placement from my school at a, a computer game shop because I like computer games I guess that I started to understand this sort of wider world and what was going on outside. Um, the shop was in Dundee, um, it was sort of about 20 odd miles from where I was growing up in a very small town and um, I kind of started to see a lot of more opportunities unveiling themselves 
I mean, I, I got into computers because my, my, my dad won a computer in a competition playing darts against Jockey Wilson in the 1980s. And he has a slightly different version of this story where it was a microwave that he won. I, I, I don't remember it like that. It was definitely a computer. And uh, yeah, that, that kind of got me, yeah, that got me though interested in computers from a more visual creative point of view. And I, I got into sort of technology generally and how, how that moves and how, through probably how technology moves, I got interested in how, how just generally society changes and shifts and different needs. But, but that's kind of probably jumping ahead. And, and it's, so school um, taught me that not to rely on school. <laughs> and I, I kind of, not long after my work placement, in the start of my fifth year at school, um, I just decided that actually, what was I going to gain from from this fifth year? I'd probably, I'd probably go off and uh, go to university and maybe do a sixth year and go to university and study something, or I could go off and do something far more interesting and exciting. So I, I, I started looking for jobs, and I was lucky enough to get a job working for a marketing company, um, which was based in Arbroath. I got the job working there because I knew computers. It was the, the computer system that they had was a really horrible system called a, I think it was called an AS400. It was a, but the, luckily the system was so bad they never got it up and running. So I never had to actually work on it. But that put my job in jeopardy. And um, I had already started to figure out that they did this thing called graphic design there. And uh, they were working with lots of big agencies around the country doing different things. And I, I managed to um, I managed to get myself involved with with that and going in and just being nosy and just really saying right can I go and see these people can I go and see this photo shoot can I go and see uh, this printing factory and what they're doing and how they're doing it and I just really made made a made a pain of myself and just just did these things and went to find out about it uh, I was kind of like a sponge I guess it was like you know, I want to find out everything why are you doing this and, and I, I know started to realize that computers were starting to play a big part in, in design so yeah it, it's it was a really interesting sort of way of getting into that. And then I decided that like, I needed to go and, and, and learn more and, and do the conceptual side and figure out what I wanted to, to do with design. And uh, I, I left there to go to college and I didn't get, I, I didn't really get past the first year at college without becoming frustrated with it and, uh, and leaving and going and setting up a, a company with a friend I met at college to actually start doing design again what led you to that decision that that was the, the best option to create your own? Um, I, again, it probably was similar to the reason why I left school at the age I did, which was that, that I couldn't really see what I was going to gain from being there. I thought originally I needed the qualification to get into design, but it came kind of evident to me that you don't really need a qualification to get involved in, in design, not, not, not in visual areas of design. It's your portfolio that really, really counts. So we decided to take a punt on, on setting up a, a small design studio in Dundee and basically the idea of using it to develop our own design work and um, and use that as a sort of way to, to learn more and uh, it kind of probably ran away from us very quickly in the sense of it, we happened to probably do it at a point when digital design was becoming more necessary for a lot of companies but they didn't necessarily have the skills to, to do it. So we became, uh, we, we, we set up a relationship with a company through in Glasgow. Uh, we were doing a lot of work with them. We were doing work with more local companies as well. We, we built up from, from two of us to I think about 11 in about a year and a half. I think if, if that, it was quite, quite, a, quite a fast process and slightly scary when I sort of stopped and looked back on it and thought, 
this isn't probably exactly what I thought we were going to do. <laughs> and, uh, so in your mind, what, what did you imagine, if anything? Um, I, 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 I kind of imagined two or three people being quite experimental with design and working for some clients to kind of keep the money coming in and to also develop our own sort of work and do other things. I think at the time there was kind of a lot, lot of that sort of model of things going on and I think I probably found it quite attractive and I thought that should be the, the way to, to kind of do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was we did and it was fun in some places and then it got kind of quite, took off and came quite big in a way quite quickly. And, and it, it, was, it was still kind of hairy. It wasn't like we were making lots and lots of money and it was all great and we were all going out and uh, swimming in baths of champagne or anything like that. It was, at the point in Dundee as well, in the city, the city itself didn't have much going in design terms. There wasn't much happening here. I um, mean, this was 1999. There was, you know, some game stuff happening and that was interesting. I'd, I'd always been keeping an eye on that. But from an actual design point of view, there was very little going on. We'd had a few agencies, a few design companies uh, who had been successful in the past and had, had, had weren't really either in the same level of success or were kind of faltering or gone, you know, and I think, uh, and certainly in that, ex that sort of experimental side of design as well, and, and, and people just sort of trying these new technologies and trying new things out, which is something that's kind of quite commonplace now, really didn't exist then, so we were kind of in a bit of a new thing for the, for the, for the city then, and I thought if ever there's a time to do it in a sort of life cycle of a city then, then that was the time to get in there and start doing it. it. Was when it was evident it needed to be there, but nobody was doing it. So after this, this company, what I mean, what happened after the, the realization that this might not quite be for you? Uh, yeah, well, that's when it all got a bit messy. <laughs> so it, I mean, you know, we'd so the company, the company in Glasgow had decided they wanted to buy our company in Dundee um, because of what we did and they needed I think the skills that we had and it got very difficult and very tricky I think I probably made some bad decisions and I think other people around me made some bad decisions as well and we probably you know it's probably one of these things I, I look back on and think oh, I could have done that a lot better you know it was yeah, I mean, the upshot was that the company was bought by the, the company in Glasgow and I decided not to go. I, 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 it was more through that sort of fear of being ground into the machine, essentially, of an agency and, and, and just becoming a, a little bit of cog in that, that machine until I was superfluous, you know, to requirement. And I, I didn't really feel that that was what I wanted to do. So at what point did you move to your own practice then, going solo freelance? Probably about six months after after that. Well, there was actually another company next door to us at the time, and um, myself and and one of the designers who was based at that had decided to uh, go and uh, set up this other smaller company, and uh, humorously called it Super Double D, and went and got a basement in South Tay Street and started working out of out of there. It was back to sort of the roots of where. We'd started with the other company, uh, the other design studio, and it was just uh, three of us and experimenting with stuff and trying things out, and it was uh, it was interesting. It was again probably quite hard to financially to get that all working, and it was probably quite a frustrating period as well. The things going on in in the city, that I mean that coming that 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 version of Super Double D didn't really 
it petered out as well, you know, in a sort of weird way. My business partner in it, uh, he he got into property and, and moved to Edinburgh, so he was living down there. Um, it's an interesting, it's probably an interesting thing of um, the bigger cities pulling us down constantly. He was in Glasgow, you know, uh, took down the first company, <laughs> then Edinburgh essentially, the second one. But I, I retained working in Super Double D, I think it, it was kind of, I kind of quite liked uh, the thing I was doing. I was actually doing some exhibition work and things as well at the time. So I'd been asked to go out to Italy and do this exhibition and then subsequently sort of came to London and Glasgow. And that was kind of more the start of experimenting with the artistic side of, of what I wanted to do. Something that kind of ended up getting put on hold for probably about 10, 10 or 15 years. <laughs> so I, th I think I decided to buy a place and I think that was the decision to sort of buy a place in Dundee and uh, I couldn't find anywhere. I think I moved back in with my mum and dad, which was a really, really weird experience at uh, that age. And I sort of regressed probably back to being like a 16 year old and, and going, I don't need to tell you when I'm coming home <laughs> and these sort of things. <laughs> and um, that's how I signed it when I was 16. To be honest, my voice went the other, it's broken in the other way, it's gone, it's gone higher. But the <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had to make this decision where I was gonna gonna really base myself, and I think that was that point. I decided Dundee was was going to be it forevermore. Um, forevermore, that's a big. Well, no, let's not say forevermore. To this point in time. <laughs> so you've never been tempted by the lure of Edinburgh, Glasgow, London. Not really. I think if I was ever going to do that, it would have been Glasgow. Would have been when when the company went to Glasgow and. Edinburgh could have been when I went to the work there for a bit. I mean, I, I, I quite like both cities. I probably have a preference to Edinburgh more than Glasgow, but I like both. But not as much as Dundee. But yeah, but this is a funny thing. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to travel around quite a bit, and uh, it, it's probably a real cliche, but, you know, I think, first of all, Dundee feels like home because I grew up kind of not far from here. I come back and I do think... We're actually really lucky where we are, you know, and you go to other cities, like really big cities, and, and it's they're fun for like a week or so, and you know, you, you can go a bit crazy in a big city and nobody really knows you. <laughs> and, uh, it's uh, it's fun, and, and you come back to Dundee and it's like, you know, I know it's been said a lot, but it's a manageable sort of size of city, and you kind of, it's nice to know people and, and see people, and yeah, like, it's hard to get that experience in a big city properly, you know, just be able to walk down the street and see people. And sometimes that can be kind of claustrophobic in a really small city or a really small town. Where I grew up, for instance, that would be it'd be horrible. You'd never, you know, you'd know everybody on the street and, uh, you know, take you, you just have to walk your head down and pretend not to see everybody. I think Dundee is a good balance of, of that. Like L London, I, I've spent a bit of time in as well and done some, some projects down there. And it doesn't feel like a city you want to live in forever. I think if you were a millionaire, London would be probably a fantastic city to live in. And I think that's probably London's problem is that, you know, at the moment it's, it's going through this whole, you know, everyone talks about the, obviously the gentrification issues in London and, and things. And it is that the money, the money wins out in that sense. And it probably is a fun place to live in if you're, if you're rich. Yeah, well, I suppose for me, it was, I grew up just outside Edinburgh, uh, then disappeared up to Dundee for university and then ended up moving to Glasgow and funnily enough ended up working for the agency that, that you started up and then left as it migrated. Yeah, I think I think started up is probably a strong strong word in the sense because they were already going, they just they just bought us and mm, took okay. us in. But 
but it, it, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was aware of that, you know. Um, I, I remember. I remember when you came to Fleet, and I remember when you when you sent details of this guy coming in who would just moving back from Glasgow, and I was like, oh, he works there, does he? <laughs> okay, instant black mark. <laughs> I think it was one of the first questions you asked when I came through the door. <laughs> but yeah, one of the things that did draw me back to Dundee was uh, Fleet Collective as a co-working space because it, it it showed me that there were people sustaining creative careers as freelancers or as small businesses and companies and that was something you started up. Gosh, yeah, I think in between probably a couple of other things, yeah, but we, I did have this crazy startup culture that went on for a while um, and yeah, Fleet, Fleet uh, was one of them. I think from my experiences in the city at the time and having worked you know from different sizes of companies essentially different places and, and, and also travel around quite a bit and seen how other things were working in other cities I kind of realized that we were at this big disadvantage because you know we didn't have this creative community very visibly in the city like we had lots of people doing things from their houses and doing things from spare spare rooms of other people's places and 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 it's kind of a I think economically it's it's really important for a city to have this this sort of vibrant creative culture going on, and that doesn't really you know you you can't you can't just build buildings for that you know, and I thought we need to kind of look at a way that that we can help foster that in a way, not in a sort of like incubator, elevator, you know, they get all these sort of, sort of interesting sort of models that they kind of come very commercially first and uh, I want to create something that was a bit more a creative place for people to be and, and, and work in and, and enjoy and hopefully collaborate from and, and um, feed off each other, you know, and that, that, that was kind of the idea of Fleet. I was kind of trying to find the right place for that to happen from and, you know, we'd, we'd had a lot of conversations with so bigger organisations and things about how we needed to have a place a bit like this in the city. I didn't necessarily want to be the person to go off and, and, and do this. kind of hoped I could maybe encourage somebody else to do it and then be part of it. But the conversations were so frustrating. And I think the thing I've realised through a lot of things done in design has been that sometimes people are just a little bit further back in that, in that sort of thinking um, in the sense like, you know, maybe 5, 10, 15 years behind what is happening. The, the short version of it is we set up Fleet Collective and, and myself and Donna, Donna had seen a similar sort of model working in, I think, in Canada. I'd, I'd been out in Groningen in, in the Netherlands and uh, had seen a model of that working out there and I'd done some research into other, other ways of working. And I think, I think it's important when you see these models elsewhere not to just import them, you know, wholeheartedly into your city because you know they work for whatever reason they work in the places they're in because of what's around them and I think that's an important thing to learn for any city and for any uh, town is to, to, to be careful what you import whole, wholeheartedly into a city or, or space you know you've got to think about how it fits in with what's already developing so for us I mean getting the space for fleet was kind of the important thing and we're lucky to find this building, which is the Chamber of Commerce, the old Chamber of Commerce building in Dundee. It had gone out of business several years before. It had been bought by a private landlord because he loved the building and he could, he was in a position to buy it, but he didn't have a clue what to do with it. And um, it, had been, it has a hall in it and he'd been running that on a kind of ad hoc basis for events and things. And then it had this upstairs space 
uh, which has become Fleet Collective, which I believe he considered turning into uh, a chapel at one point, uh, <laughs> because it has a nice stained glass window at the back. Um, but uh, thankfully, thankfully, we convinced him that that was that was probably not such a good idea, and uh, you know, it would be better for us. So he he was very good to us. He he, he helped us uh, develop the building, and um, we've been here for about five years now. It's it's been quite an interesting interesting journey. I mean, I, I started it up. I set it up as a director, but I stepped back from that sort of role to to concentrate again back on my design work. So yeah, a common theme. So I want to talk a little bit about Creative Dundee, mm-hmm. um, and also I don't know where that fits in and around the development of Fleet Collective, and also at what point in your career did that come about? Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess this is the it comes back to the design stuff again, where it's it's kind of like you see problems and you want to be part of the solution to them, and I think Creative Dundee and Fleet Collective both came out of very similar similar places in my my brain. I think at that point, and it was. Um, I mean, Creative Dundee was, was, was really, I think, I said, I think Creative Dundee's been on the go a lot longer than I think a lot of people probably realise. And it, it, it started off, it actually started on the 25th of January 2008. Uh, I think at 7.09pm uh, was, 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 the, was the first post. Some, I, may got the, I may have got the minutes slightly wrong. It was definitely just after 7 o'clock at night, <laughs> which, which, which says a lot about working practices. But it... it uh, it also came at the time when we were developing a festival called Neon, which is a digital arts festival. I can involved with some of that. And I was getting a lot more involved with, with the city, essentially, and what was happening in the city. And it's a little bit of that Wizard of Oz thing when, when you realise that there's just this little guy behind the scenes, you know, and he's not really... He's not the, he's not the, he's not the big beast that you think he is and the visionary think, well yeah yeah the visionary that's maybe a better way of looking at it and i think i think there was a little bit of oh you know a little bit of disappointment when i started to realize that actually some of these things that i kind of things i thought maybe could be going on in the city were just never going to happen and unless you went and did unless them you went and did them yourself yeah so creative dundee kind of came out of that it was that sort of idea of getting involved with community and and how you develop a city and its community, its creative community, and all these things. And I thought, well, the first thing it needs to do is bring it together. You know, it needs to have a place where we can we can do that, and something that works independently, essentially, of, of whatever else is going on. Because I think that's often the, the 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 sticker in the in the cog, essentially, sticker in the cog, stick in the cog. I don't know. So I'm making things up, but you know, the wheels basically of of a city don't move very quickly sometimes, and I think it's easier just to to get on and do things if you think there's an opportunity to get on and do them than to sit around and complain that they're not happening. So that was kind of what Crave Dundee was. And I ran it for quite a while, posting things and and various levels of quality because I'm not very good at writing. Kind of, we did some things with it. It was fun and it kind of tailed off a bit and because I got involved with some other projects and I didn't have the time and it wasn't until really Gillian came in uh, and she she wanted to, to take it on and transform it essentially into what it is today and I think she's done a really good job of that. It was around the time we brought in sort of Petra Kucha as well, the license to that. Been in touch with the guys in Japan before and I thought, you know, I'm sure we could get this in a really quick turnaround. Uh, so I, I emailed them, we got the license. We had the first Petra Kucha on uh, in 2011 in Chamber East. And below Fleet Collective because we had space, so we could. 
and it was it was great. We had two hundred people there, and that was that was a really good thing. And I think that was probably again one of the turning points for Creative Dundee again and turning it around into what it is today. You mentioned Japan, <laughs> um, and I know that you, you're not long back. From you didn't it. you didn't ask me if I'd go and live in Japan, did you? You asked me if I'd go and live in Edinburgh, Glasgow, or uh, London. <laughs> okay, well maybe I'll ask you that. <laughs> um, but you you've been on several trips now, and you're not long back from from another one uh, what what's the draw and what's the the, the interest for you in, in japan um you know i i, I think I, i've mentioned sort of talking cliches before but i think it's like you know japan has this draw for design and uh, for designers and i think it, it's interesting for me I, I think growing up at the point i did and being involved being into being introduced to design the way i mean the first thing i saw that was 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 designed that i understood what graphic design was was a poster on a friend's wall for a band called Popolite itself and it was it was the craziest poster I've ever seen and I thought at that time and I thought who the heck did this and I did some research and they were there was a design company down in Sheffield called Designers Republic and they they had they'd created this 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 crazy poster for I think Warp Records or something so um and I, I just think wow and then I began to delve into that a bit more and I think they they, they, they really took on a lot of Japanese uh, culture and sort of reappropriated it in through graphic design and sort of sold it back <laughs> sold it sold it to the UK and then sold it back to Japan as well in different ways and I think that kind of piqued my interest in what Japan was I think I think video games particularly around that time as well you know Nintendo and companies like that were doing really interesting things and you start going there's something interesting about this country and you start getting in- interested in it and and I think Japan has an interesting mix of tradition and technology and design, and it's integrated itself into the Western, you know, psyche through things like video games and popular cultural stuff. And I think it makes it an interesting place to go as a designer. And it's like this, it is like this sort of Galapagos Islands of of uh, humanity. It's like it's it's been so isolated for so long, and and it's developed a strong, different way of doing everything. Uh, and it's great to just go and see that and, and, and kind of get a bit of a reality check on, on stuff as well. I think, I think actually, I'd also like to say with Japan, I think the Pechikucha, sort of, or Pechikucha uh, license uh, has given us a sort of strong bond to Japan as well. And I think it kind of given us a reason to go out there quite a few times because they have these powwows and you get you know, get people together out there who organise events. And that's going to draw to Japan as well for that. And then you begin to get to know a lot of people through that. And then it's like, well, it's always nice to go and visit places where you know people. And I don't think I'd, at 16, I don't think I would have ever thought that I would have known lots of people in Japan and been able to go out there and, and have the experiences that you kind of can go out there and have when you when you know people out there. And I think that's quite exciting too. So coming back to Dundee um, and that idea of connections, you seem to know everyone. Like every time I come back, and I say, like, "Oh, I just had a coffee with so and so," and you're like, "Oh yeah, I know them from." <laughs> so you just, yeah, this is one of these sort of. I'm just trying to one up you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you, over the time you've you've been in Dundee, it's what fifteen plus years or so. Twenty. Twenty. Years. Mm. Um, Ninety-seven. I came to Dundee. Yeah, you've built up this amazing network of of people, and do you think that's down to your personality and the way that you work, or do you think that's just longevity you know it's probably a bit of both i mean i'm probably through longevity i've met a lot of people i'm probably really bad at keeping in touch with people in a really weird way i think didn't have, if it wasn't you know creative dundee and other things like that and fleet 
I'd probably just like be a hermit and, and live in my house and never come out and uh, never meet anybody. So, but, but I think doing design and stuff as well gets you gets you in front of a lot of people and chatting to people about things because, um, you know, just through your, your work and through, through other things. And yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like meeting new people. I actively enjoy meeting new people. I'm really bad at probably keeping up with people once I've met them, but I enjoy meeting them. <laughs> and I probably forget who everybody is. I have a really bad memory for, for faces. So uh, it's probably, you know, I should probably take this opportunity to apologize to anybody I've walked past in the street and, and uh, not acknowledged. <laughs> But you seem to have this unfailing confidence in your network in that if you're having a quiet spell and work's not there, that work will just come and it'll happen. And that's a confidence that I don't, I don't necessarily have yet. And I've been a few years now in that. And I know other people are in similar situations and don't have the confidence that you have. <laughs> and you, again, do you think that's a, a longevity thing that'll come? I think that is. I think, I think to begin with, I used to panic like crazy. And I think, I think as you get a little older and maybe a little wiser I don't know maybe maybe not wise it's maybe stupid but it's it's um things always just sort of sort themselves out in some weird way and I think I think doing design you always go through peaks and troughs especially freelance design you kind of go kind of go up and down quite a bit and that's that's kind of the nature of it and it's that's kind of what I love about it as well because it's it's not this intense always having to work agency environment thing where you, you you are literally being sucked of all your energy and talent and stuff and uh, spat out again and it's kind of it's kind of being able to have those intense moments of working on something and then have these sort of quieter moments and sometimes in those quieter moments you would panic that those quieter moments would never end and you would essentially end up unemployed uh, or with no money but it's not as it's not just as, as simple as sit back and wait for it to happen you do do lots of things that kind of encourage that work to start to come back in again but you just don't you don't make it the focus of everything and you don't you don't panic yourself you don't stress yourself to that point i think there's a lot of work out there in design and i think there's a lot of people who don't know they need design as well at the moment and i think there's always opportunities it's it's just about making them work so within dundee at the moment there's there's a lot of change happening and, mm. and you've been here to see a hell of a lot of change over quite a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So I'm just interested to get your perspective on on the changes that are happening and what you'd like to see out of that in the next sort of few years. Yeah, it, it has. It's been. I mean, it has been. It's been really interesting. I think. I think it's again going back to why I stay in Dundee. It, it's like you couldn't to see all this stuff happening and and be part of all these sort of changes is quite a, a, a unique kind of position to be in as a as a designer as somebody doing stuff uh, in your in a city that a lot of more developed cities that doesn't happen you know it's it's it just comes down to the projects and the work but actually being involved in a city as it's kind of refining itself in a, in a new place is, is really interesting uh, I mean when yeah when I started it was it was literally as I said before you know when the when the DCA the Contemporary Art Centre was opening you know, you could see how that affected art in the city and, and how, how that changed the confidence of art in the city. And, you know, now we're sitting at a point where there's going to be, to be a design museum opening in, in the city. And you think, you know, how is that going to affect design and the confidence of design in the city? And it, Dundee's always had a, a really strong, I think, you know, even when, when I came here at first, it's always had a strong reputation for design through the um, art school, Duncan Jordanson. It's always had that, that reputation, but it's never 
that that reputation has never really been it hasn't really probably lived up to that reputation in in the sense of what goes on outside of the universities and i think i think we have sent a lot of people away and that's that's fair enough at one point and i, I think probably if i studied i would have gone off to some other place because that's where you get the opportunities from but i think that's changing and i think it, it's also it's also good to see people coming back in like like yourself you know go away for a bit come back to to, to dundee because it's it's got something interesting happening and you know design has suddenly shot to the forefront of of the city's mind through not just through what's happening down at the waterfront but also through it's being awarded a, a unesco city design title which um i'll admit came as a bit of a surprise <laughs> and but it's a really i think i think more than what's happening on the waterfront I think for me that is possibly the most important thing going on in Dundee at the moment in terms of design and I think that that title brings with it this this network and I think you know I love networks and what that network can uh, uh, teach us and how we can use that that sort of essentially that big poke in the ribs with a stick of design to the city to how we can harness design and use it in a really really interesting way to we, we, we live in a really difficult time you know economically at the moment with uh, cuts everywhere and especially in public sector and I think you know there's nothing nothing that can help that better spend that money wiser uh, with a smaller pot than, than design you know and I think I think design can it goes in there design goes in there to solve problems and hit goals and targets and a city can use design to to really make the best of what small resources it's got and and to how to structure itself better and how to to develop better and then you know flourish from that and i think with this title with the sort of current climate of things with with the waterfront stuff and everything else it's time to really harness design and and use it i suppose it's seen it as a a functional necessity rather than a luxury yes exactly i think it's very easy to see design as a luxury i think when People often only understand design through the prism of what they have been exposed to. And for a lot of people, it is luxury. You know, it's it's cars and it's handbags and it's clothes and it's uh, jewellery and it's uh, all these things that actually you can live without. And But it, it, it's it's the deeper aspects. It's that conceptual idea of design and, and, and what that can, can go on and, and do. That. The process that you don't often see of design, the stuff that happens behind the scenes and I think people make judgments on on design very quickly based on an aesthetic or based on things, and I think there's there's a lot of deeper thinking behind it, or there should be. And you know, design is very much about process, and it's about it's about thought. And the more we can start to get that understood and how that can help in a city scale, I think that'd be quite interesting. And I think that's that's what excites me about the future is how design is going to get involved with things beyond how it's perceived at the moment. So how do we integrate that better than what we're doing currently? To to integrate design into a city is a, a, a I guess is what you're meaning in that sort of in that scale, and and it, it's it's a, it's not a it's, it's not an easy thing to do, and I think that's I, th I think you need to start by having somebody who understands. I think I think in Dundee's situation at the moment we have lots of it's kind of coming quite fragmented. So in in a sense, like there's lots of design things happening, like there's the, the museum of design down at the waterfront. We've got um, you know the UNESCO title. We've got little uh, projects popping up here, there, and and everywhere for for sort of design 
sitting in a design sphere essentially in, the, in, in that realm I, I think you know it needs strong vision from a city point of view sort of really clear direction of what design means to the city and I, I think what I'd probably look at doing it you know if I, if I had that sort of control would be to appoint a, a chief design officer for a city you know actually get somebody in that position who sees the vision who understands that and understands design not just on one level but across all sort of areas of design um, and can can help that uh, bring that sort of consistency or bring that sort of visionary ideas to to life and uh, connect things up otherwise um, yeah you could end up with a really fragmented approach it's a, it's a difficult role to implement though that would have its own challenges yeah. itself. It comes down to who you who you put in that. You know, it, you know, if, if it's you know, if, if it was, I'm, I'm sort of reporting it from a sort of public sector sort of area. Then obviously, you know, there's, 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 you can't probably afford the salary that a normal uh, CDO position would be advertised at within a sort of private agency or private organisation or place like that. So, uh, you know, you even have those sort of issues to consider. So. Um, and that's not that's not that's not easy. You don't want the last thing you want to do is put the wrong person in the position, and then that's that's how. I mean, I kind of look to we're talking about the you know the UNESCO network and stuff, and I know that Helsinki have just recently appointed a, a, the first chief design officer for a city, and I think that'll be really interesting to see what what happens there. And I think you know that'll probably be. I think if 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 Helsinki if the if their chief design officer is is really really has an impact in the city in a, in a positive way I think I think that'll be kind of a, a a good starting point for other cities to start thinking about that obviously if it doesn't work out then 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 it could clearly be well somebody tried it and it didn't work but I think the concept of having something like that having a chief design officer in a city is really a good a good thing so in line with what we talked about before in your approach could you just go and do it yourself? I really wrestle with it. I, I often feel like I'm a fraud. You know, I, think, I, think that's, I think we were talking about this recently and, and it's, you know, everybody's got their sort of hang-ups. You know, everyone's got their slight insecurities and things. And I think, I think mine probably is that fact that I probably feel like a fraud. Um, um, because I didn't go to art school or go to university or... But you know, a lot of people have. I, I kind of, I comfort myself in the in the in the idea that other people have have done have done similar and been on. You know, some of the some of the best designers in the world have been self taught. But I think it takes a very focused and determined approach to to do it yourself because it's easy just to kind of give up and go off and do something else. And but I think I think learning about design, what what art school, what universities do. They give you this sort of structured time to learn, and you know, and this sort of access to resource and access to to brains and other things that you take you a long time to kind of get otherwise. And I think I I, I really think that in twenty years or so of doing this, I'm pretty much just coming out of my education phase. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever come out of my education phase entirely, but I think it's kind of. I do feel like I'm just kind of getting started, and it's uh, uh, and that's kind of exciting, and it probably is also because I haven't been working for an agency for twenty years and burning myself out. But it's, I, I do honestly feel like this is this is just 
the last 20 years have been research and 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 this is kind of the starting point from from here and it's that's quite that's quite exciting going back to the the concept of community you seem to have built up these little pockets in this little these little communities so you you started fleet collective you started creative dundee and you're involved in neon at the start and we talked about the other companies as well and that you then decided to step aside from that. that be a, a sort of trend in your life. Do you think there's a, a reason for that? The, the only reason I can really honestly come up with is that I, all I want to do is be a designer myself, doing things for other people, you know, working, with, working on interesting projects, exploring my own work, and everything else that I kind of got involved with has been because I felt it needed to be there and if it didn't then it wouldn't and you know I, I do it for as long as I'm passionate about it and then I kind of feel that right well it's time to hand this over to somebody else and uh, get back onto what I'm lifelong passionate about which is you know design and, and, and my own work and other things and uh, yeah I know that sounds like a strange maybe strange answer I don't know it, it, but I like I do like setting things up, you know, project wise. I think I, I get I get quite a sense of achievement from that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I maybe just don't harm harbor the the long term aspirations of of of, of the, what needs to go into running these sort of uh, places or events or mm. things. And other people are better at that than I am. Yeah. And that, I think that's an important thing. And generally in life and in design, is like find the right people. We talk about you know chief design officer for city or other things. I think you know. It, it really makes a it makes a, a difference getting the right people in the right right roles and not just trying to do things yourself and muddle through when you maybe don't quite know everything. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your your work because uh, that's something we've not really touched on much at all. Um, so how would you describe what you do just now? <laughs> oh God! These are the this is this is probably like the hardest thing you could ask me. Um, let me talk about let me talk about the city again and other things. Um, it's it's like I said, you know, it's it's kind of like I think I've been in education for twenty years. My own education, I kind of I kind of just learn things. I'm 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 constantly ashamed of my work. I think we put the best way of looking at it, and I hate talking about it. And it, I don't think there's many people that, do, that set out to do something creative you know, whether they're designers or artists or whatever, and actually when they get to the end of the process, go, oh, well, that was, that was amazing, wasn't it? I didn't, didn't I do a great job of that? Um, you know, because I think, I think you would just stop probably at that point. I think you have to be driven on by moving on to the next thing and taking all the learnings from that one. And I'm always aware that I always, I don't put my work up on websites, right? I don't, my website hardly has anything that I've ever done in my life. And I've probably got like, millions of things and I, I look at them and go that's not that's not really that's not really good enough and put that up there and then I, I, I don't know I find these questions really hard like like about work it sounds like you're very harsh when you self edit yes I'm very harsh on other people and I'm very harsh on myself I probably annoy a lot of people by being overly critical about things but I think in fairness it's you know I'm, I'm exactly the same way with myself and uh, I think that's a trait of designers and creatives that they are very harsh because they spend their lives solving problems and being very critical in the way that they think and that you got to look at the way the Instagram rebrand was yeah. slated online um, and whenever else a logo or a brand or something else comes out and then there's always this big backlash on I think you have that thing of I could always have done it better 
I could have done better than they did it. Um, I think it's that, that's that uh, thing. I think that's not necessarily always true. Um, but um, I think it's, it's funny because, you know, I always remember, I remember when I was, you know, I remember being, I remember when I was quite young, seeing, you know, a big scandal on the news about British Airways sort of rebranding their tail fins of their planes or whatever and how much money it had cost to to do this and wasn't it a waste of money and and I thinking it's quite, I remember thinking then I think you're missing the point you know I think you're missing the point of what's gone into that um and it's not it's not just like oh there's a pretty picture on a on a on a tail fin of a plane and uh did how much did that cost you know and and, and it's like it's all the sort of thinking behind it and all the the sort of restructuring of what the company was about and all all, all the probably you know how they serve food and how they did all the things how their seats just lots and lots of different things and it that collectively cost a, a big amount of money so when i see other designers kind of saying oh doesn't airbnb's new logo look like an asshole um <laughs> you know it, it it's like you kind of just demeaning your own industry essentially you know you're kind of talking about it's not about that I mean you can always look into things in different ways and I've, I, yeah it's a, it's a difficult thing with design especially visual design it's easy just to look at the aesthetic and and just pass a critique on it yeah I suppose there's a lack of appreciation or understanding for the process that's that's happened mm. and I suppose from being in that position and gone through projects I think designers in particular, should have a bit more appreciation for for the things that go on and the battles that happen and the yeah. the thought processes that have gone into things. It's not just they've spent ten minutes and thrown it on, out on the internet. Yeah, ex- exactly. And it's um, you know sometimes a rebrand or in, in that sense things can take you know a year or or more to to actually do. And you know you've got to think of all the time and the people's salaries and all the things that go alongside that to make that happen. And and uh, yeah. But I also think you know when you when you do work on something really hard and you take it in front of a client and present it to them and then they they sort of say you know oh I don't know if I like the color you know and things like that you kind of go oh I thought you were better than this <laughs> you know you try to think you picked the right projects and you try and do do the right things and there's nothing more frustrating in a design point of view of suddenly spending all that time working on a project. And putting all this thought into it, and thinking about all the permutations and all the all the other things that could happen, and somebody you present it to just boils it down to, you know, color or typeface or something. You know, it's, it's like well, well, everything's subjective, isn't it? Well, it is. Yes, it is exactly. And um, yeah, maybe not everything, but yeah, a lot of aspects of creative practice and the outputs can be subjective. Yeah, they can. Um, when it's visual, it's very easy to be to to be like that. And I think I think that's why understanding the process that kind of goes on underneath helps with that and helps to to do it. And I think that's what I'd like to see when when we look at things like design museums and we look at other things. I think these places have a real need to kind of explore that that other side of design and that 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 sort of what goes on behind the scenes of just making this this thing whether it's a product of you know, whether it's fashion or whether it's you know whether it's on a high-end design scale or whether it's you know a logo or whether it's a, um, a, a digital design piece or, or anything you know you need to kind of think what was the designer thinking what was what was their what was their train of thought on that and why did they get to that solution 
and I think clients miss that sometimes too and I think you know you, you need to it's a bit of education really do you consider yourself successful <laughs> and you were gonna ask me that <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a really tricky one. Um, I think I consider some of the projects that I've worked on. I think things like We Dundee and is that in the city and uh, Crave Dundee and uh, Neon and other things. I think I consider some of the projects I've worked on successful and are continuing to be successful. I don't know if that makes me successful. I don't think it makes me successful yet. I think, I think, I think that's still to come. Um, I think, I think I'm still waiting for that bit. And I don't know if I really want it either. I quite, I quite like quite like being kind of so when you say you, you don't want it what do you mean by it success I guess I mean I'm, I don't know I mean that's I think I see other designers being successful in that term of, of financially successful I think is probably okay. the thing and, and, and profile based success you know where they have a high profile you know they maybe have like you know 50,000 Instagram followers <laughs> Um, and, and, and I, I, I think, you know, I think as I said before, I, if I didn't have things like Fleet and, and probably Create Dundee and other things, I would be a hermit, probably. So um, I'd probably be quite happy sort of not, not coming out of my house. And I think uh, uh, and going back to the city stuff as well and, and just, you know, liking walking down and just seeing some people you know and, and not being in a small town where everybody knows you or, or being anonymous in a thing. I think, I think, I think success kind of in the terms of what most people consider it as means that you're kind of recognizable and your um and your work has has gone on to do lots of things and i think that's quite a scary prospect for anybody i think i think a lot of people want it but i think the ability to actually handle it and deal with it is different isn't it is that a bit too deep no i mean i would argue you are successful and that the as you say the projects that you've worked on and you've left that as a legacy that's then built itself up and become more and more successful. I think that's another way of looking at it, though, is like success is kind of judged after you're kind of gone, isn't it? It's like people kind of look back on things and think, was that was that was that person of of any value to to the world? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's not financial, and it's not um, it's not often about maybe maybe it's not about celebrity. I'm kind of boiling it down to sort of really horrible basics um but i think that's i mean a lot of definitely and before i started asking these questions i think that's what i deemed success to be mm. is financial profile that sort of aspect of celebrity and things like that i'm not necessarily celebrity but just uh, being known and, and getting your work out to a massive audience i think in any field you know you 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 look at the people who are high profile and with it you kind of associate success and you kind of and I think it's easy to kind of aspire to that and want to be like them because they seem to be you know they seem to be at the at the forefront of what they're doing and I think like the world can't sustain lots of people like that um and and uh, I think most people will will go through their life not being that person and I think you need to kind of look at where you fit in uh, in, in, in the community and, and in the area that you live in and where you work and what you do and, and have that sort of, I think if you can have an impact and do things and that then that's probably as much success as, as, as most of us will ever get mm-hmm. um, and, and that's a good sort of level you know I think I think it's that, it's that case of maybe, maybe at art school and stuff people are kind of 
are, are kind of encouraged to be those sort of celebrity designers and and you know because it, it works for it works for marketing purposes um to say you know how did we we managed to we managed to create this person and this person and you all know who they are and therefore aren't we successful um so please come here and study and um, spend your money yeah universities are businesses they are and they're i mean i sort of come to the realization that they're not necessarily the right route to getting into the creative industries they are a route that is right for some people but not necessarily the be all and end all I think what universities need to to be, and they can be businesses as well, but they need to they need to listen and understand what's going on around, and listen to students. And I think students need to push sort of universities as well as what they. Need. I you know I've spoken to some students recently who kind of you know feel like maybe they they need more knowledge of what's going on in the area around them, and 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 uh, not just be looking at it through a, a prison again of that success thing. And so university is not the only path. I think I think you know lot, lots of people have self-taught in in different areas, and there's different teaching methods that have, they've been around before. And I think the things like Fleet Collective, we we, we probably start to realise that we we have a, a a way of of maybe looking at how you can do creative education in a more alternative way, in a more practical uh, and real-world sort of in a way. We, we 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 were kind of it kind of came about by being approached actually by a, a student who had was enrolled in a course. In another university in another city, and um, they weren't really getting what they wanted from it. In a similar way, that probably felt back in back in the day. And they understood that you know maybe a place like Fleet could be the place to kind of learn what they wanted to learn, and approached us with a, they kind of approached us with an offer, you know. <laughs> so and it kind of makes you realise actually, you know, you can sit around again and complain that education's not really working and it's not doing this and that. But actually, the best way to, to to kind of have an impact is to just stop stop moaning and get on and do it yourself, you know. And I, I think that's something that that, that that would be quite I think would be quite interesting how we could wind education into real world situations and and real projects that could potentially go on and be their own thing and do something, you know, rather than just being for hypothetical purposes and for for degree shows, you know. I think I think that's probably something. I think. You know, everything reaches its peak and changes, and maybe it's just the time for like creative education to kind of get to that peak and sort of change a bit again. So. Yeah, and I think if, if you could bring someone into Fleet and they had four years here, hmm. that's a long time to, and you can learn so much in that time working on live projects and across so many different disciplines of the people that we've got in here as well. Exactly, and I think you know that's that's something. Well, I mean, you know. When you look at what, yeah, when you look at the amount of skills that you have under one roof to find out about, and I think that's that inquisitiveness that kind of never really leaves is, and it, I think places like places like Fleet are good for that, and you kind of find out all the stuff, and you can apply it to projects and things that you would never, in ways you would never have thought about, and it enables that sort of organic growth of the community within spaces like Fleet, mm-hmm. and that. that connections happen and things build up naturally mm-hmm. as opposed to feeling forced and too structured yeah I think that's that's it I think um, going back to why we set Fleet Up you know it was done in just that way it was like a, to create a place that wasn't kind of manufactured and kind of 
imposed and then said, right, you know, this is what it is to be. We kind of created space for it to happen in and then hoped that other people kind of saw that potential and kind of wanted to be part of it as well. Okay. So you've been through this, as you said, 20-year education. <laughs> what's, what's next for you? Where do you go now? Um, well, like I said, I'm just kind of thinking I'm getting started. And I think where I kind of came from in the first place was this sort of experimental design area that I wanted to really get involved in and, and do. And I think that's somewhere that I still harbour an ambition to, to get back to. And it's really exploring the, the artist side of things a lot more. And I, I think I think I've maybe design has, has, has taught me a lot of things and it's it's taught me that design and art are very different and I think it's I, I harbour this sort of ambition for both and I, I kind of want to explore the, the art side of things a lot more um, and that's kind of where I'm where I'm going within my own work uh, in the next in the next week while hopefully you know but uh, um, yeah on a, and on a design side of things I, I, I've been very I think I've learned a lot about working with clients and who I like working with and who I don't like working with. And I think I'm, I'm sort of moving into a far more selective phase of, of my life and picking the right clients and the right projects because I, I think I've, I've often maybe been guilty of not doing that. And I really want, from the design point of view, I really want, I, I want to get involved with really interesting projects that are quite ambitious in scope as well. To wrap up, what if you could see one thing happen in the next two years in terms of the city and the community in Dundee, what would you like it to be? I think we need to... It's a really hard question because there's so many different things I'd like to see happening. And I think I'd probably have to bring it right back again to that, that chief design officer that I talked about. Okay. And I think, like, because I, I see all these little things, I think, that'd be good, this should be better, or this and that. And I think... I think the only way to kind of make that all work in a city size, in a city sense, is to have a, a vision there, somebody who, who can understand design, understand how to work with designers, how understand when to bring in people, when not to bring people, when to to uh, encourage things and, and, and so forth. I think I might live to regret saying that, but I hope not. Um, and I, 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 it's one of those things that you care for what you wish for, but... Um, but I think I, that's, for me, that's what Dundee needs at the moment, is it needs direction and design. And it, it's not getting it from... It, it's like a ship that's steered by many captains at the moment, I think would be the best way of looking at it. And it needs to kind of find the right person to, to navigate it through, um, because things are changing and changing fast, and, you know, we could, we could fuck it up. That's always the worry, I suppose. Yes. When the spotlight's on you, you don't want to. Yeah, right. I constantly fear that we're going to, to mess it all up by not really grasping things well enough and running ahead of ourselves too quickly. And uh, yeah, so I think having anything that can, that can kind of help bring that together and focus and figure out what goals are and what we need to do to, uh, to achieve and, and how we listen to what's already been done and, and, and learn from that is, is really important. And I think design within cities for the future is going to be massive. And I think Dundee should be well placed to, to, to lead there. And I think we need to, to think about that.
that excites me from a city side of things, um, but it terrifies me as well. And I, I don't think maybe people realise how terrifying that is. So if people want to reach out or get in touch with you or see some of your work, where, where do they find you? Yeah, I mean, you, you can look at things that probably have absolutely no relevance to anything I've talked about uh, in this podcast um, on uh, super com. So it's S-O-O-P-E-R-D-D.com. Um, and I um, occasionally tweet uh, through um, uh, Twitter at um, Lyle Bruce uh, or at SuperDD. It's my split personality. And Instagram at SuperDD again. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of where you can find me mostly. Okay, great. Thanks very yeah. much. Or didn't come to Fleet Collective. <laughs> <laughs>that was Lyle Bruce uh, thanks to him again for coming on and doing the podcast you check the show notes f- for links to his work and to follow him on Twitter and Instagram um, and a big thanks to you guys for, for listening please do keep sharing if you want regular updates you can follow the podcast on at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram So I do have a whole bunch of podcasts lined up for this year, some really exciting guests, and I will be putting out some some little teasers on social media to, to hint at who they may well be. So yeah, please keep following, keep sharing, keep telling your friends, and I will speak to you next week. Bye.